0: a major movie production is leaving georgia in reaction to the state's new restrictive voting laws there's new information about that infamous janet jackson super bowl wardrobe malfunction and how justin timberlake may have been involved and we're talking about what we still have to look forward to for bridgerton season two with entertainment tonight's Filiana Ing. it's april twelfth, twenty 2021 Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shyla Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Okay, Shyla, I need you to talk about something that surprises me every time I remember it's a thing. And it's that Brenta Song and Macaulay Culkin are together. So together, in fact, that they just had a baby together. (laughs) And they've been together for years at this point. Like, it's really been a long time. Yeah, I think they met on set of a film in 2017. Like... This is a, a legit relationship and I'm happy for them but also this is such a wild convergence of childhood things for 90s kids specifically.
3: It really is. And you know what? In 5 years, I'm going to forget that they're that they were together. I'm exactly. going to like remember exactly. all over again. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Okay, we're starting off with Will Smith and director Antoine Fuqua pulling production of their new movie, Emancipation from Georgia. This is the first film to leave the state because of Georgia's new restrictive voting laws. In a joint statement, Smith and Fuqua said, quote, We cannot in good conscience provide economic support to a government that enacts regressive voting laws that are designed to restrict voter access. The new Georgia voting laws are reminiscent of voting impediments that were passed at the end of Reconstruction to prevent many Americans from voting. Regrettably, we feel compelled to move our film production work from Georgia to another state. Georgia is one of a few states that have offered generous tax incentives for Hollywood studios to film there. Smith's film, which was set to start filming this summer, is about a man who emancipated himself from a southern plantation and joined the Union Army.
0: I mean, I have so many thoughts, but really proud of Will Smith and his production company for doing this because not every production would have been able to do this for some people. Even like getting that far into the movie making process is an amazing feat. And to have to be like, we need to find a new location is just not possible. And when people who have power do things like this, it really it, it hopefully will get the ball rolling because the one thing that lawmakers care about is money (laughs) and if this one move is going to start to
3: affect their money and then other production companies do this too i mean good for them yeah filming in atlanta is a huge industry and i just i think that like you said he's going to be setting i mean will smith is a huge name you know this is going to set an example and hopefully other people with production companies will follow um because this law is ridiculous. Um,
0: (laughs) it, It truly is. And hopefully, though, the law changes because hopefully these people who are in charge of Georgia aren't going to be taking away paying jobs from their citizens like in Georgia, you know, because that is the negative effect of this. It's taking work away from those who live in Georgia. Meanwhile, there's a new report out about what went down behind the scenes of Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake's infamous 2004 Super Bowl performance You know, the one that gave us the phrase wardrobe malfunction. According to a new Page Six interview with Wayne Scott Lucas, who was Jackson's stylist for the event, the malfunction, that's in quotes, heavily, was planned in part because JT wanted to one up his ex, Britney Spears. As we all remember, Spears created a stir by sharing a kiss with Madonna and Christina Aguilera during the previous year's MTV Video Music Awards. While Timberlake has previously taken some heat online for allegedly being involved in the scheme and then letting Jackson take all the blame, Lucas did reveal some new details, including that there was an original plan that involved Timberlake stepping on Jackson's skirt and revealing her G-string, but a wardrobe revamp forced a change.
3: Okay, I have a lot of feelings about this. I mean, I feel like... Say them all, please. (laughs) They're not nice. I mean, I feel like for years, you know, we sort of thought that Justin Timberlake did this by accident, but that how it was handled after the fact was mostly his fault in terms of, you know, Janet Jackson was blackballed from so many major Hollywood events and things like that, and just her career changed, whereas his skyrocketed and nothing bad happened to him. But again, it was always deemed as a, quote, accident. But now realizing or uncovering that he might have had a part in this purposefully, also to get back at another woman who did. Nothing to him is really shitty. And it puts a whole different light on that quote, apology that he gave earlier this year for his actions. I just, oh, yikes. It's truly one of
0: those things because it's like whether Janet Jackson knew about it and what level she knew about it does not take away from the fact of like what you're saying is that he's basically doing anything to women to just have higher standing, you know, like he doesn't care who he hurts along the way, apparently. Yeah, it's not cute. <laughs> all right, moving on. We're talking about something near and dear to Shyla's heart, and that is Bridgerton season two. Filming is set to start soon, and we
3: can't wait to see more of the adventures the Bridgerton family go through when it comes to their romantic lives. To talk about all the new twists and turns coming in Bridgerton's second season, we're joined by Entertainment Tonight senior editor, Filiana E. Hi, Filiana. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course. So let's start with the one and only reggae jean Page leaving the show. What are your feelings about it and what will it mean for season two?
4: I think it is quite a shock. I mean, I remember reading the news, right? I think we were all stunned that he was not going to be back as Simon for season two. I'm still a little bit surprised that that we won't have his presence or that character's presence as well, um, in season two, um, mainly because that character doesn't disappear in the books. Uh, he's still around. He's still in the Bridgerton world. He's married to Daphne, you know, they're starting a family. Like, it's not like he just is gone, like poof. I think it's a big deal. Every book is centered on a different Bridgerton family member, right? That's like kind of the whole gist of the series, but Simon is around, the Duke is around, I'm not quite sure how they're going to acknowledge him being gone while Daphne is still around and not have it be awkward. But I am sure they will figure out a way, right? I mean, we trust in Shondaland. <laughs> no, I know. That, that <laughs> is something, you know,
0: because that's some concern that this could mean a less than happy ending for the Duke of Hastings and Daphne. So I don't think we know yet how they plan to address this absence, but I feel like I want to know which way you think they're going to go. It's probably going to go like one of two ways. Like they could totally disregard them having a happy ending and being like, he's gone.
4: Or we, I feel like they're just gonna be like, he's away on a
0: business trip. <laughs>
4: I think it's going to be the latter, right? Don't you think? I don't I don't <laughs> yeah. think they're going to ruffle to any feathers. It has to be like he's going to there's some emergency or something that he has to run off to for an extended period of time that just happens to run the course of season 2. <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah, so I think it's going to be the latter. I think it has to be something like that at least for season 2.
0: Yeah. And I brought this up. The only way I'm going to be mad is if it's like, it's it's fine. If he's not going to be in the show, then they're just going to be like, he's away on a business trip or something. But I swear to God, if we like have to see the fake back of his head at any point to like oh. prove that he's there, that is,
3: <laughs> that's what's going to put me over the edge. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I would hate that. But we have a lot more to discuss. We'll be right back.
0: I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor,
4: attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and
0: burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're uncovering why society makes it so hard for women to treat their time with the value it deserves. So take this time out with us. Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: After 30 years, it's time to return to the halls of West Beverly High and hang out at the Peach Pit. On the podcast 90210 omg join Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling for a rewatch of the hit series Beverly Hills 90210 from the very beginning. We get to tell the fans all of the behind-the-scenes stories that actually happened, so they know what happened on camera, obviously, but we can tell them all the good stuff that happened off camera. Get all the juicy details of every episode that you've been wondering about for decades as 90210 super superfan and radio host, Sissony, sits in with Jenny and Tori to reminisce, reflect, and relive each moment. From Brandon and Kelly's first kiss to shouting, Donna Martin graduates! You have an amazing memory. You remember everything about
0: the entire 10 years that we filmed that show.
2: And you remember absolutely nothing of the 10 years that we filmed that show. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to 90210-OMG on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts
3: welcome back we're talking with filiana ing about the second season of bridgerton a lot of people are really upset about the duke of hastings absence from season two like we were just talking about but there's a lot to still look forward to what are you most excited about for season two?
4: Oh my god there's so much to look forward to in season two i love the second book i loved reading it i'm very excited about meeting you know the sharmas because they're clearly you know tweaking that family and and making them into the Sharmas instead of the Sheffields. I am very intrigued by who they're getting, um, just kind of changing it up a little bit. Wait, Filiana, Shilas read the books, but for people like
0: me who haven't, can you like give like a little bit of like, like what is happening in the second book? Like, who is it about? What are we going to see?
4: Of course. Yeah, no. So in kind of a nutshell, book two is basically about Anthony's Quest to find a wife, and he initially thinks that Edwina, who is the younger sister, and this is in the books, and of the Sheffield family, is kind of the one. And then he meets Kate, who's the older sister, who's not Ooh. as pretty, who's not as you know perfect bride material or what or what have you, and fireworks happen between the two and that's always fun to kind of experience as a reader and as I'm sure as a viewer too now that season two is coming around so that is essentially that's a very bare bones kind of what book two is about
3: (laughs) hey that's all I need to know (laughs) and you know I'm curious your thoughts because obviously they gave him a a love interest in season one but she wasn't even featured in the books really and you know how do you think that that's going to affect the love story of season two now.
4: That's a really interesting point that you just brought up because I remember in book one, that character, the opera singer, she is maybe barely in a scene, I think, in the first book, right? And they kind of blew that up into a whole storyline for him whereas at the end of season one he was suddenly thinking like he might be in love and he might you know want to try and make something of this relationship with her which just wasn't going to happen and in the books he's not at that point yet at the end of book one. So it is really interesting that they've kind of accelerated that part of his love story, I suppose, and that he is already kind of thinking about that, even though maybe his idea of love might be completely wrong and uh, kind of, yeah. I'm curious to see how you know Anthony is at the start of season two, because it seems like he's already starting to think about romance and love and marriage, even though at the end of book one he just wasn't even at that place yet.
0: So I'm so interested because you had brought up and again, I do not know these characters, but like the Sheffields you said, I think, were changing. So that must have to do with the new casting announcements. What can you tell us about the new characters and like what direction they're going and who we're gonna see?
4: Well, in the books I think the Sheffield family is basically Kate and Edwina Sheffield and then their mom Mary Sheffield. Um and I don't believe they, was there a race kind of attached to the books? But I'm sure we were to assume that they were probably white, right? And then in the casting of these characters, uh, for season two, they kind of switched it up a little bit as I'm sure, you know, Shondaland loves to do. They like to be very inclusive in their, in their casting choices and in kind of broadening out the story. So they cast, they changed that entire family into the Sharmas who are, I believe, Indian, of Indian descent, right? Um, And uh, Simone Ashley is playing Kate Sharma now. Yeah, so that entire family is completely updated to, I guess, to be more inclusive, which is very exciting. I think that it's going to change a lot of the relationships that were established in the book for the TV show, just purely based on who they cast and who these characters are and who that family is now.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, from it's been a while since I've read the books, but from what I'm remembering, you know, Edwina is like, you know, the new diamond of the season. And so I'm curious to see, like, how race plays into that, you know, because we didn't have that with Daphne season. So that'll obviously be a huge factor, but it's exciting to see. I'm glad that the show is tackling these things and that it's being more inclusive. And I'm curious to see how it's going to affect Antony and, you know, the entire Bridgerton gang, honestly. <laughs>
4: I feel like as long as they keep the morsels of what makes Kate so amazing in the books, as long as they keep that kind of essence of her, I don't think it's going to matter. Like her personality is like, she's so memorable uh, <laughs> to book readers. At least for me, she's so incredible. She's one of my favorite characters because she's so just, you know, on top of her game. As long as they keep that, I feel like they're they're fine no matter what.
3: So aside from Anthony and Kate and Edwina, are there other characters that you're excited to see or plot lines that you're excited to see for season two?
4: I'm very excited to see the Paul Mall tournament, which is a big spoiler for the books, but um, that's kind of one of the major through lines in the second book of the series and It's pretty iconic and that's really exciting. I'm very interested to see like what's going on with the Featheringtons because at the end of season one, right, there was who's this mysterious person who has the power over their estate after their, the patriarch dies. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of kind of loose ends that I think season one definitely leaves unresolved that is very curious. I'm curious what, what you guys are most excited about in terms of the show, (laughs)
3: Yeah. Um. I mean, Casey, feel free to chime in. I just, oh, I've got nothing. This is all you. Said. <laughs> I've um, not read I mean, the like, books. I have no clue what's happening. Um. I mean, you know, I think, again, just I'm really curious, honestly, about Antony and how they're going to play him. I know that that's it's repeating the same thing. But, you know, in the books, he is not a character that is. You know, he's very resigned and he's not a character that's passionate or, you know, even invested in finding love. You know, he specifically says he wants to marry someone he won't fall in love with. You know, he's so focused on just becoming this patriarch of the family and doing his duty, which is so different than the passionate character we saw in season one. So I'm just really curious to see how they're going to... You know, that was his entire motivation for even getting married in the first place. So I'm curious to see now how that will affect the plot of the show. But also, just like you said, season one, it had kind of some gaps that were left open. I mean, they did things differently. I mean, now we know who Lady Whistledown is. I mean, what were some of the other things from season one? Like, how do you think? Oh, wait, Go ahead. I do have one thing that I want you <laughs> guys to address. And I'm sorry, when I, I, something about me, when I
0: binge watch a show and I watch this all in one day, I do not learn everyone's names. It's too hard mm, for me to yeah, do no, it. Yeah, I can so I'm going to go with, so I'm going to describe someone to you. She is the sister who is the funniest and in my opinion as a queer person is also queer. And I want to know if you think that they will, that might be an option for her, like the, in the, if they might write her to be queer or if you,
3: if they, if you think that she's going to be straight, straight.
4: Eloise, right?
3: Yes. I don't know because, uh, I mean, so her book is much later. Um, You know, it's kind of like alphabetical order. Um, So her book is much later. But I honestly, I think there's a fair chance, you know, like uh, we've seen them do so much diversity around like race. And then even again, just having one of the Bridgerton brothers, Benedict, seem somewhat to be kind of queer. So I think that it wouldn't be completely out of the realm of possibility for them to do this. But at the same time, she's already a character that, you know, is unique in her own right, just because she goes against the grain of society's culture at the time, you know. Um, So I think that even without making her queer, she's still going to be a standout character. And her story is going to be very interesting to see, like... You know, she is someone who wants to do her own thing. She's running around doing investigations. She doesn't want to wear these dresses and, you know, find a match. And I think that that's part of her character as well. But yeah, I mean, is she going to find out that her best friend is Lady Whistledown? I I know, Spoiler. (laughs) I mean, we don't don't know.
4: (laughs) That was actually, you just reminded me of... Penelope and Lady Whistledown like that obviously comes in later in the books they reveal it in book four I believe right and so the fact that they revealed it at the end of the season which I didn't think they had to do but it was nice that they I guess they felt I don't know it it was a nice little nugget for people who were watching the show that they revealed at the end of of the season but I'm curious to see how that also affects her relationships with the family and her friends and stuff because now that we know as the audience but the characters don't know, is it going to be one of those situations where we're, like, two steps ahead of everybody? Yeah, so I'm just curious also how they navigate that kind of mystery as well, right? Yeah, you know, and it's... I don't know who said this, but, you
3: know, when they were talking about reggae jean leaving the show, like, this really is the first... Type of show we've seen like this, where it almost acts as a mini series, you know, and each season is completely different, which very much follows the plot and pattern of romance novels, but is very unique to television right now. It's sort of like I guess American Horror Story is the only thing that really comes to mind, where it's got the title, but every season is something different, and you know that's not quite the same. But I'm wondering if you know the plots from season one will even bleed into season two, or if how seamless they're really going to make it. But there's there's a lot to look for to. I'm just, I'm very excited that this is being made. <laughs> I mean, I, I could talk about it all day.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, same. I, the, the amount of like discussion that I've had about Reggae on leaving and, you know, season two, what does this mean? It's really unhealthy at this point. <laughs> it's <is> become an <laughs> obsession. I'm right
0: there with you. Yeah, I'm right you there and Shala Well, Filiana, thank you so much for joining us today.
4: Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. That's
0: it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, congratulations to Brenda Song and Macaulay Culkin on their child. In five years, we will definitely forget you are both
3: together. (laughs) (laughs) And be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to
0: leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed. Coming to you daily. I'm Paris Hilton, and this is Trapped in Treatment, a weekly podcast of shocking survivor experiences and stories from an industry plagued by controversy. With my hosts, Caroline Cole and Rebecca Mellinger, we will uncover the truth of one teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You actually don't.